Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, it is my birthday. I am 69 years old. Whoa! Man, oh man, I've been around for way too long. Anyway, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving you a tip of the trial shortly, and you can give us a call at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. You get in line with your questions, comments, or concerns. Thanks for having me on your show, and we can talk about plant selections, the ups and downs and all arounds, whether it's annuals, bulbs, edibles, ground covers, house plants, lawn, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts. And always remember, though, my answers, comments, or opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take that you have success with. Again, Greg is producing, and so he's the one that takes your phone call. He'll ask you your first name and where you're calling from, and that's about it. During the week, I do landscape consulting and uh Basically, it's a walk and talk where I come to your home, discuss things that you have concerns with, and also keep my eyes open for something that may be impacting your landscape that you haven't considered. The tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out, first of all, to Gateway Greening and... uh, Gateway Greening, is that is that what that's called? No, it's not Gateway Greening. It's Brightside St. Louis. Brightside St. Louis does lots of different things through the metropolitan area. They do the daffodils along the highway. They do the plantings around the city hall, all those, let's say, window box type things. But also they do graffiti control. So in other words, the graffiti is just like totally outrageous. So they actually go out and get rid of the graffiti. So in 2017 alone, Brightside Graffiti Removal Team cleaned 360,000 square feet of vandalized surface. So, you know, that is just a huge amount. And that, you know, basically that's the size of seven football fields. And it takes like 9,000, no, 900 gallons of paint to do that. So Brightside St. Louis, they're in the city. If you'd like to donate to them, They've got all kinds of different ways to donate. And you could say, I want my donation to focus on the graffiti control, getting rid of it. So graffiti may never totally go away, but you can keep it so it maybe looks a lot better by donating now. So Brightside St. Louis is on Shenandoah Avenue in St. Louis. And you can check out their website, info at brightsidestl.org. Also, another tip of the trial goes out to the Missouri Botanical Garden. And last night was the first night of all through the summertime, what they're calling Flora Borealis. It's a nighttime multimedia experience. So all the way through August 26th, except in July, the Wednesdays are going to be closed. 
So the doors open at 7 nightly, and you get to wander around and see all kinds of stuff at the Botanical Garden Grounds at night. So what could be cooler than that? And uh, it's just it's a neat thing. We haven't been this year. Obviously, last night was the first night, but we've seen it before, and it is like, whoa. So if you want more information about flora borealis at the Missouri Botanical Garden, you can go to www.mobot.org slash flora. And uh, it's just botanical garden at night is just a totally different world. I mean, during the day, it's totally different, too. But it's just a neat thing to see this. So if you got any kind of interest whatsoever, why not give it a try? And definitely help out Brightside St. Louis with this graffiti thing. Here's, here's some examples. Removing, let's say, graffiti from 200 brick structures, that's going to take quite a bit of money. But, I mean, just buying a gallon of paint and, you know, I mean, it's a, basically the people that come and take care of this stuff, some of them are volunteers, some of them, you know, I'd have to, I shouldn't say this, I think maybe some of them are on staff, but I don't know that for sure. So why did I say that anyway? So anyway, but it's just amazing. Can you imagine seven football fields covered with graffiti? That takes 900 gallons of paint to get rid of all that graffiti in those spots. So Some of the graffiti is kind of cool, interesting, but where it is and things like that can be really aggravating. So let's see if we can get a call in or two before we take a break. Ronald lives in North County. Ronald, how are you? Pretty good, Mike. How are you this morning? Happy birthday to you. Well, thank you. Uh, Mike, uh, my question is uh, what kind of uh, pre-emergent can the average homeowner buy instead of using a yard service if you want to do it yourself? Basically, I mean, you can go to your favorite garden center, and they have the pre-emergence there. Is it just as good as the commercial uh, pre-emergent? As long as you follow the instructions on the label exactly as they say, yes, it is. It is. And and you apply that with, with your spreader. You set your spreader. Exactly. Uh, now, you're not going to do that this time of year. The first, you know, application for... You know, pre-emergent at this point forward is going to be mid to late August, and that's to control the cool season weeds, which are like henbit, annual bluegrass, and all those kind of things. So, and so that's what you. So don't put it down now; it's just going to be a waste of your money. So wait for another, you know, basically two months, and then put it down at that time. I see. And my last question is: uh, Is it best to my my lawn needs aerating? Is it best to do it before I aerate it, aeration? No, because basically what the, a pre-emergent does is create, a, let's say, a continuous barrier across the surface of your soil. So that's what, you know, the soil your lawn is growing out of. Now, what happens is by making it continuous all the way across is any place where seeds germinate, then it's going to kill it as the seeds germinate because the pre-emergence on top of it. If you put the pre-emergence down and then run a core aeration over the top of it, you're breaking up that, you know, that, let's say that layer, a continuous layer, and you're messing up the possibilities of having better control. So you're better off to core aerate first, maybe a week or two before, then put the pre-emergence down. Oh, I see. All right, then. 
Oh, okay then, Mike. I appreciate your call. <laughs> well, thank you. Sounds like you got your hands full there. But uh, let's get one more call, and then we'll take a break. Jeff, how are you today? I'm doing good. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. Um, my question is, I was helping my neighbor. I was helping my neighbor. Uh, he's an older guy. I'm no gardener or anything, but I went back, and I called you a couple weeks ago. And um, you had told me he had these tall flowers that get the big balls of blooms on them, whatever those are. Uh, I know the name sort of, but if you, if you mentioned it, and they were all dead. And Maybe I hydrangea? That's them. That's them. Okay. Okay. And I cleared it all out. It was just all dead. And that was a couple of weeks ago. And now there's big, green, bushy leaves. Good. So is it possible that they're going to survive? Yeah. I mean, it certainly sounds like it. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to flower this year, depending upon the variety. But at least when you've got the big leaves, that's basically how you create a healthy plant. Nutrients and moisture okay. from the roots up to the leaf, and the leaf makes, you know, with sunlight chlorophyll, which is food. Okay, yeah, because it was all overgrown, and they were all dead, and you had said they're probably gone. Right. And I thought, well, okay, so I took a weed eater to it and left them about two and a half feet tall, three feet tall, even though they were dead, and sunlight got to them. You know what I'm saying? And I guess maybe now they'll be okay, hopefully. Yeah, and just don't do any more pruning on them. Right. Okay. That's why I called. I want to make sure what to do with it. Right. Just right. leave them alone. I will. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Jeff. And Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. The only way you can take KMOX with you is with the Radio.com app. Download it today and listen to us anytime, anywhere. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks. 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty questions concerns or comments. A watering, do it earlier in the morning rather than at night. Fungus problems are going to be accelerated potentially by watering at night. You say, well, there's less evaporation, yes, but you're still going to have potentially a worse fungus problem. They say, well, how does that work? Well. During the day, early morning, the sun's out and everything else, so that keeps the fungus problems, you know, under control when you've done some irrigating. So, Patricia lives in University City. Patricia, how are you today? I'm fine. Happy birthday, Mike. Well, thank you. Speaking of fungus, I got mushrooms in my front yard. How do I get rid of them? I've been just pulling them up by the roots manually, but is there anything I could use? No, there really isn't. Basically, they're growing probably because you either had a tree in your yard that's been removed or your neighbors had a tree that the root system went underneath the ground, and these mushrooms are coming up off the root systems. Oh, yeah, they are. The roots are kind of thick, too. Right. So it's going to continue until, you know, they impl- you know, until the root systems implode, so it may be a couple years. I drove past a couple of houses this, you know, this past week, and, I mean, some of the mushrooms, you could tell, right, I mean, they were in a circle. Like, you could tell right where the trunk of the tree was. Yeah. I mean, these things were huge. They were probably yeah. like six or seven inches across. I passed a house on uh, Oakland on my way down to, to the, get pizza, and they were, they looked like little umbrellas. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's for, They don't really do anything that bad. It's just they're really scary and aggravating. Yeah, they just look so ugly, especially right. before they... They open up into the umbrella. They really look ugly. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Absolutely. 
All right, Mike. Thank you so much. Certainly. Thanks, Patricia. And now let's go to Millstead, Illinois. Helen, how are you today? Good morning and happy birthday. Well, thank you. Uh, I have a Chinese fringe tree, and it's lovely. It's doing well. But the bottom um, branches are at least four foot in long, and they're lying on the ground on the rock that is around the tree. Right. How can I, should I cut them off to the trunk? Do I wait till fall? Do I wait till spring? Should I leave it alone altogether? It's a personal call. You can leave the lower branches if you want. I mean, it's an aesthetic call more so than anything else. So, but if you are deciding that you want to take them off because you want to have, you know, you don't want to have them on the ground, you want to see more of the trunk and everything else, you you don't do it during the heat of the summertime. So wait until fall comes around and do it at that time. So sometime, you know, mid-September all the way up until mid-December, you can do it. Okay. Thank you so much. Certainly. That helps. Well, great. Yeah. Chinese French trees, there's not too many calls related to them, so it's kind of neat to know that people have those. I had a couple of them in the woodland garden, in the botanical garden. So Norman lives in Creve Coeur. Norman, how are you? Hi, thank you. Uh, happy birthday, Mike. We enjoy your program. Well, thanks. We have another mushroom question. We have a new puppy, and we walk him with a leash in our front yard and our backyard, and we have a bunch of those mushrooms growing. And, you know, the lawn folks, when they cut the grass, you know, the, the tops come off. Right. The question is, do you know if those are poisonous, like if he does get to them? Because this little guy can, he just kind of like sniffs them out and we pull them away. But, you know, he's, we're going to miss it one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> True. No, they're, you know, I, I can't see him, you know, even if he put one in his mouth, it's not going to be something that a dog would want to eat. So... You know, it depends. I mean, there's several different types, but uh, for the most part, no, they're not poisonous per se, not, you know, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. And again, we do enjoy your program. Well, thank you. And thanks for having me on your show. Yeah. I mean, that's not to say there aren't some poisonous ones, but it's, you know, even a dog, dogs are fairly smart. So it would be, um, no, they're not going to eat enough to matter. So, Edward lives in Belleville. Hi, Edward. Good morning. Hi. I have, I have a nice stand of, of uh, green beans, but only foliage and no indication that I'm going to get any fruit. How, long, how big are they? The leaves full size? How big are the actual? The leaves are about three inches across. Okay. You know, I think it just may be a little bit early. Oh, I see. Okay. You well, should, yeah, you're just going to have to be more patient because, you know, a lot of the things, I, I don't plant necessarily green beans like you do, but I plant something called hyacinth beans. And that's, a you know, an ornamental type bean plant. And mine are not showing any kind of, they have not made any kind of flowers, anything yet. They're still producing foliage. I mean, lots of foliage. There's no fooling around. But still, it's just, I think you've probably got another 30 days or so to wait before you're even going to start to see flowers. Then the flowers have to get pollinated, you know, to form the pods. Uh Uh-huh. So the next thing I'll see will be the flowers. Yes. Then after that, uh, I'll start seeing some green beans. Exactly. Okay, well, thank you so much. Certainly. And let's go back to you, City. Jules, how are you today? Good morning, Mike. Happy birthday. Same to you. 
No, it's not your uh, birthday. I know. I'm kidding you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my biggest problem, pun intended, is a crepe myrtle that's over 20 feet tall. Whoa! And it was spreading such that it was almost 20 feet wide and hitting the house. And I was debating how I'm going to prune that back. Well, Mother Nature is taking care of that. And each of the past winters, several of the original 11 trunks have died back. I now have only two trunks. And last year, what I tried to do is what some of the suckers, like three suckers, come up, and they were over an inch thick, figuring they'd be the next trunks coming up. Right. Well, this this winter, when it turned really cold, late, killed those off. So I'm trying to save this thing, and any recommendations? Is I'm assuming it's up and it's, you know, is it in flower now? It's flowering now. Right. It looks pretty good, but there are only two trunks left. Right. I would say... You know, it may be the sort of the, I don't want to say the end of its life, but it may be as far as the original plant goes. But just, you know, once the uh, the bloom's finished, you know, you know how. And just, I would, my tendency would be to put about three or four inches of mulch over the top of it. Just to add an, sort of like an insulating layer. Okay. And that's really about all you can really do. There's nothing else you know, if you, you know, if you fertilize, you know, fertilizing, uh, if your soil's in good shape and the plants have been really good, it's just an age problem as much as anything else. So I think you're probably just, you know, mulching it just to offer protection and see if you can, you know, the suckers, it should continue to sucker. It should colonize unless it's just exhausted and it just doesn't have the energy to do that. Well, there are about 100 suckers and I was going to trim them down to, you know, three or four of the strongest right. ones. Exactly. You know, and yeah, pick the ones, select of the one or select the ones that you prefer where they are and everything else. Get rid of all the rest of them and uh, just kind of go from there. All right. Uh, one other thing is the uh, romance uh, rose. It had dozens of flowers and now it's gone essentially dormant. Haven't seen any new roses come out of it. Uh, is that normal or anything I need to do with it? Uh, basically, have you pruned off all the spent flowers? Yes. Okay, you've done that. Have you fertilized it? Yes. So you've done everything you can. So, it, you know, even with the, all of them, they have a rest period in between each flush. So whenever they finished flowering, however long ago that was, you can anticipate any place between three and four weeks before you're going to start to see the new flower buds forming. Okay, we're just about the end of that, so... You should start seeing them real soon. And the new growth, they'll come out where the, the, it'll look like red leaves. They're going to come out, and then the flower buds will come out of that set of leaves. All right, we'll look for that. One last thing, the hydrangeas that were ever-blooming in previous years. The past two years have hardly had anything on it. And I remember I used to be able to trim them, and new flowers would come out. Right. But with this winter, the original stem ends died back. So I trimmed them up down to good wood and haven't seen any flowers come out of it. It's just going to just have to be patient, more or less. There's nothing else you can do. You've done everything just right. So it's just a, you know, kind of a question of, but, you know, you've had history of it. And so it's just a matter of, you know, with our goofball weather and everything else, that's kind of what got it out of, you know, let's say, cycle. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mike. Again, happy birthday. Enjoy the 4th of July. <laughs>
And well, we'll keep listening. Well, great. Well, thanks. Yeah, and thanks for having me on your show. I greatly appreciate it. So let's go in to Gillespie, Illinois, and into Rick's yard. Hey, Rick, how are you? I'm doing fine. Yourself? Very Happy good. Um, hey, quick question for you. Um, I planted a whole bunch of lilies uh, early this spring and happened to find a bag that I did not plant. Is it too late to put them in the ground? And if so, can I save that bag for next season? And how do I do that? Put it in a cold spot or dark spot? How would I go? Now, are these lilies as far as, are these day lilies? So in other words, the ones that look like grass blades, or are these the type of lilies that put a stem up and then have kind of the trumpet-shaped flowers on the end of the stem? I believe they're the uh, stem with the trumpet shape. Okay, so in other words, they are like look like a little ball, more or less. I would yeah. I'd say you're probably better off to get them in the ground as soon as you can. Okay. And then you're probably only going to get some foliage. You're not going to get a flower this year. But if you kind of leave them, sometimes it could, might be okay. But if you just sort of store them and to plant next year, uh, they may dehydrate and be down to nothing. So I would say get them in the ground so they can have a potential of at least putting a stem out with some leaves, even if there isn't any flowers this year. Okay, now that sounds good. Thank you very much. Yep. Yeah, and again, that's just so you can get some leaves. The leaves can, you know, make some food, build up the bulb for next year. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Folks, questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Remember, you know, fertilizing is really important for things like, you know, vegetables, for roses, for perennials, you know, for annuals, definitely. I mean, every two weeks, I, you know, personally, I just like the liquid feed. So I just have this hose in attachment. I screw a bottle into it, and then I just go around. Today, after my walk and talk, I'm going to be doing the backyard, so with fertilizer. But uh, just know the things you do not want to fertilize are anything in the cactus or succulent family or herbs. Don't fertilize them. Let them be a little... Let's say on the weak side. Irvin lives in South County. Hi, Irvin. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Very good. I've had this problem two years in a row. I've got some tomato plants that look absolutely beautiful. They got all kinds of blooms on them, but I'm not getting no tomatoes. And you're keeping them watered. They look good and everything else? Watered and fertilized, and they're just not getting tomatoes. Hmm. Now, what do you know what variety you got? I've got five different ones out there. And none of them are? Nope. I've got maybe three tomatoes on one plant, and then I've got a couple little clusters of cherry tomatoes on another. Yeah, that's kind of odd. So if they're looking healthy, I mean, it's just a matter of patience, and maybe the weather just kind of knocked you know knocked them off course. But you've had this two years in a row? Two years in a row it's happened. And, and so, I mean, the plants look great. Right. Are you using tomato food or are you using just regular type fertilizer? Using tomato food. You're doing everything just right. So I would say keep track of what varieties that you are getting. And, you know, I mean, I can't, you do, if the flowers are forming and everything else, it could, they can drop because of heat and things like that. But you should still, by the end of the season, you know, when the things get a little bit cooler, you should be able to get some fruit set at that time. So, 
I don't know. You know, I don't. To be honest with you, I don't have a clue on what's going on. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. Sorry. I mean, I could make up something, but uh, <laughs> that ain't gonna work. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks very much, Mike. Certainly. And uh, you know, I'm gonna make a you know. So yeah. that's you know, it's very frustrating when you have something like that. But uh, I'm gonna digress a little bit away from the plant material. Did everybody see that full moon on Wednesday? Wasn't that thing fantastic? It was just beautiful. And as you know, I keep talking about the weather. We had this wonderful full moon on Wednesday rising from the east. Then on Thursday, we had that crazy black cloud that came out of nowhere and just, I mean, and that's what knocked out a lot of the power and everything else. So just this, you know, you never know what's going to happen here. So I have to kind of think a lot of the things are unexplainable, but it's weather-related, even though he's got a nice yard and everything else and his tomatoes look perfect. It's, you know, that's the only the only thing I can assume when we get this screwball stuff. And so anyway, Bill lives in St. Charles. Bill, how are you today? Yeah, my guy. I just wanted to see if, in your opinion, if grass source from like a local co-op would rank better than a retail big box uh just with the grass in our area being in the middle of a cool zone and warm and all that uh i just i know there's premium get grass seed that you I mean, gci you can pay big bucks and right. then the local co-op you can serve yourself like in bins or buy it by the bale basically uh just curious uh, if, if it's the same variety, it shouldn't be all that much different, to be honest with you. It's sort of like, you know, if you go to a store and you buy, let's say, some vegetables or some fruit or something like that, or you go to a farmer's market and you know that, I mean, when you buy it, let's say, at a store, you look at the sticker that has the code on it and it says from Chile or it says it's from here or from there. You go to the farmer's market, you find out it's local. Sometimes, this, you know, it doesn't make all that much difference, but sometimes it can with you know vegetables and fruits and things like that, you could eat and let's say an apple from Chile or an apple from here, and you know the flavor is not going to be that different. Maybe the shape is a little bit different. The size might be a little bit different. But I would say, you know, by supporting local businesses, I think that's a good thing as opposed to just you know massive companies. But I don't know if there's going to be that much. You're not going to say, "Wow, this is going to be you know absolutely fantastic." That's it's going to be the care and everything else beyond the seed. Okay, okay. Do you know uh, if the uh, difference between coated and non-coated, if one ranks better, or is it just all uh, propaganda? <laughs> Personally, I think it's propaganda. Okay. You know, I mean, uh, it's not well, going to make all that much difference. It's, you know, those kind of things are great and everything else, but it's the care. That's what makes the right. huge difference. You know, it's not like running out of energy or it's too hot or I've got too much going on or whatever. So whether it's coated or not, if you don't care for it properly, it's not going to make any difference whatsoever. You got it. Okay, great. Well, I thank you very much, sir. Certainly. Thank you. And Diane lives in Weldon Springs. Hi, Diane. Hey, Mike. Thank you for taking my call and happy birthday. Well, thank you. I have got a flower garden on my deck and decorative pots that I can see out the kitchen window. And I noticed on my mandevilla, the leaves were all getting spotty and dying. And it's moved to the hibiscus and other plants. And under the leaves, it's like a web. Would that be spider mites that you talked about earlier? Uh, generally, spider mites are not going to eat leaves. 
but they could be there causing, you know, some problems with it. Spider mites, what they do is they make, let's say, a green leaf turn stippled. And so, in other words, it's looked like something has sucked some of the color out of it. That's what it looks like. Oh, so then you probably do have spider mites. So what do I do? You have to get a miticide, a specific insecticide for spider mites. At the garden center, it will say miticide on it. Don't get a regular insecticide. It's not going to do a bit of good. Okay, because I sprayed it with a couple of different things. I used detergent water and... Okay. Well, I mean, those kind of things... I mean, there's organic ways that you can do it. Some vinegar or this or that or... But uh, if you've got a major problem, I'd say go straight for the miticide. Okay. Thank you so much. Certainly. Bye now. Bye. Yeah, spider mice, little bitty webs between the stem and everything else. That is definitely spider mice. And they could, I mean, it's just incredible. You can have spider mites in Weldon Springs and, you know, other areas don't have spider mites right now. And it could reverse insects. You don't know where they're coming from or where they're going. So Joyce lives in Ferguson. Hi, Joyce. Hi. How are you? Very good. Good. I have a lawn problem, and I apologize if you've already answered this question, but um, I'm late to the program. I have zoysia bermuda mix in my lawn, and uh, this problem that I'm having is only in my front lawn. I've noticed in my neighborhood many, many houses are having this problem. The grass is dead in patches, but you can see little pieces of grass that's green in those patches, just little blades every so often. And the dead grass is actually packed into the dirt. Um, I, I have no idea what to do about this. And this is the first year I've ever had this. I admit I was about 20 years ago, I had grubs. I had to dig up the whole lawn. I did it myself. Whoa. Well, I, had it, I didn't dig it up. I just oh. pulled it up. <laughs> yeah, but this is not grubs. I've dug in several places. It's not grub worms. But my, my whole neighborhood is having this problem. There could be a couple different things. You should probably have a you know, professional service come out like the lawn doctor and, and have them take a look at it. But there is actually a t- you know, an insect that, you know, the chinch bug can cause that problem as well mm-hmm. as diseases. So it could be, a, you know, either one of those two, you know, either one of those two things. And grubs don't impact zoysia. They only really impact, there's one type of grub out of the five. It impacts bluegrass only. So. I see. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, then I will have a professional come out and look at it. And this is, this is in the neighborhood, the whole neighborhood. Right. So, so, that's, so that can happen, huh? Absolutely. So, okay. I mean... You know, I don't know if, is your mail delivered by a mailman that walks or does he yeah. drive with a truck? He walks. So, I mean, nothing gets mailman or anybody else or UPS drivers or anybody. But if they walk across something and get it on the bottom of their shoes and then go and walk across somebody else's yard, they could be inoculating dogs, birds, squirrels, all that stuff that can, you know, move stuff, move diseases and problems around. That's a really good point because I only notice it in front yards. <laughs> yeah, I think you got it. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much and uh, happy birthday. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. So you have a very uh, well organized neighborhood. You keep the squirrels out of the backyard. You got to stay in the front. All night. No, I'm kidding you. Mike Miller, KMOX Guard Hotline, back after these messages. 
This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we're headed to Wildwood into Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hi, Mike. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. You're welcome. We have a similar problem as the previous caller in Wildwood, but it's with trees. Um, three different varieties of trees. I have a birch tree. My neighbor across the street has a Bradford pear, and my neighbor next door has another tree that I don't know the species of. But they're all um, being affected by boring insects. And um, uh, I'm wondering on my, uh, my birch tree, if I use a systemic drench on that, will the affected parts of the tree come back or should I cut them off? They're probably not going to come back. Depending okay. upon, you know, I mean, you could, I wouldn't cut them off initially, but if I would go ahead and leave them and wait till next year, and if they're not pushing out any new growth. So you're seeing actually holes in frass, meaning sawdust, at the base of the trunk. Most of the bores are going to be in the bottom, let's say, three or four feet of the trunk. Well, we some some branches uh, fell off in one of the storms, and um, I'm looking at one right now, and it's got little little tunnels uh, that are under the bark. Uh, looks like they they just like tunneled under the bark and chewed off. Yeah, so they uh, entered the trunk and then just worked their way up. So yeah, okay. that could certainly be the case. Yeah, if you're really serious about it, you you know, as opposed to using a systemic that you're putting down, you might consider bringing in a tree service and let them do an injection system. It's going to get Let's say the the insect killer, the insecticide, to the lo- to the spots and locations that needs to be much quicker. Ah, okay, okay, great, thanks. I appreciate your advice. Yeah, I mean it's uh, the systemic's going all the way up through. That could take you know I don't want to say a couple of years, but it could take at least a one full growing year where the injection system it goes straight into the you know vascular vascular system of the tree. It doesn't have to be absorbed through the root system and everything else. So Henrietta lives in O'Fallon, Illinois. Hi, Henrietta. Good morning. Happy birthday. Thank you. I have an iris bed, and I am wondering what can I do to keep the grass out? Oh. Rather than pull it. Yeah, there's nothing really, to be honest. Basically, the only thing you can do is dig up all the iris, separate, make sure that, you know, and you could do that. I would probably wait until the 1st of August or so. So they can be nice and healthy and vibrant. Dig it up, then kill all the grass that's in there, and then put the iris back. What about mowing after they bloom? That's not going to get rid of the grass. No, I know, but I mean, will that hurt the irises? Yes. You want to make sure that you've got a couple months of leaves after they finish flowering. Okay. Because that's, right. that's what builds up the tuber, the strength, so it can flower the following years. Okay. Thank you so much. Yep. Yeah, it's unfortunate. If this was a, let's say, a type of perennial that had broader leaves, not like iris, then you could actually use a grass killer, which will kill only the grass. It wouldn't affect, let's say, your Shasta daisies, or it wouldn't affect your purple cone flower. It wouldn't affect your, let's say, whatever, lemon verbena. So that's the problem. Phil lives in Sherman, Illinois. Hi, Phil. Good morning. Got a question for you about lilac bushes. Uh, they finished flowering, oh, probably a month or so ago. Right. Is it too late to trim those back? No, you've probably got it, you know, another couple, probably another month or so. After okay. mid-July, uh, maybe not a full month, but after mid-July, I wouldn't do any pruning on them. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's a question of 
you know, lilacs, anything that blooms in the springtime blooms on old wood. So in other words, that means growth that happens the previous year. And things that bloom in the summertime, they bloom on new wood, meaning like crepe myrtles and butterfly bushes and roses sharing. So in other words, that's growth, stem growth that happens that year. Kevin lives in Evansville, in Illinois. Hello, Mike. Hi. Uh, like your show. Uh, I had a peach tree that died. The top died off, and then the, uh, the bottom grew up. It's as tall as what was dead. Should I cut the center out? Uh, yeah. With most of the, you know, most of let's say, I'm assuming this is a real peach tree that produces peaches. Yes. Yes. So you want to have it open. So yeah, don't you know, cut the center out so the branches can kind of look like an umbrella more so than okay. you know something that's really tight. Should I wait till fall or should I do it now? Uh, how are, did you get any did you get any peaches off of it this year? No, no, it hasn't started. So it's, did no flowers or anything? No, not this year. I would probably say. You could probably do it any time that you want to. I wouldn't okay. do it in the heat of the summertime, but you could do it in the fall. Okay, and uh, one other question. Do they still make Schultz fertilizer? Hmm. I don't know if I've seen it. It, can, it used to come in a little bottle? Yeah, a little bottle. Right. I don't. Liquid powder. Yeah. Like a blue powder. Right, exactly. I don't know if I've seen it. That was a local company. Yeah, it was good. I can't find it anymore. Have you looked online? Yes, I I couldn't find it. So I guess they're not they're out of business. Okay. And one other question. Is there any way to keep them coons and deer on the garden? <laughs> I mean, home remedy. Yeah, uh, basically uh with the I mean try some Irish spring soap. Okay, that does work. Yeah. Okay. That should do it. All right, great. Thank you. Yep, Have Gail you. is in South County. Gail, can you do it a little quickly? Yes, I'm looking for a recommendation of either evergreen or perennial that can live its life in a 12-inch pot. I'm trying to camouflage kind of the end of a patio area. 12-inch pots are a little small. I know. (laughs) I don't want to have to keep replanting things in there. Right, but I mean, can't you get something a little bit bigger? But how big does this have to be? Well, I, w- I was putting, um, it's very hard to explain because the the concrete that was relayed had a lip on it, so I, I had to get planters that had little legs on them. Ah. That one leg could stay on one side of the concrete and the other on the other, and right. then put, plant, put pots inside of it. So that's why I'm limited to that 12-inch uh, size pot. And I, I need four of them across there. <laughs> well, the, I mean, there's all kinds of sedum. The sedum is tough. You know, sedum dragon's okay. blood, sedum live that's forever. A, that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. So I would look at some of those. And there are annuals that can live in, you know, like sweet alyssum. That dies, but it will self-seed and drop the seeds back into the pot where you, you know, where you're trying to grow it. Okay. All right, those are good good uh, recommendations. Thanks for taking my call, and yeah. happy birthday. Well, thank you very much, and thanks to everybody for wishing me a birthday. Boy, 69 years old. I'm really getting old. I look at my arms, and they're so blubbery on the bottom. <laughs> but, I mean, what could be more fun? I was going to say one thing, you know, related to weeds and all that other factor. I've, you know, I work on the weeds all the time. Mainly I do, not totally, but I do hand digging just for the heck of it. 
But this year, the crabgrass has been unbelievable. I've had, I never really had a crabgrass problem. And now this year, I got crabgrass you know, coming up all kinds of places. I didn't put a pre-emergent down or anything else because I didn't anticipate it being problematic. So now I'm just going around, you know, digging up the clumps with a, you know, hand weeder. But uh, I'm going to be interested. I've kind of got it almost done, but I every time I go out, I just take a look around and I go, oh, how's this come up and get this big this quick? And it's only been a couple days. But, you know, just be careful out there yourself because of the heat. And just absolutely enjoy. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.